We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Grinders, welcome back to the NFL Pick Six Show, Week Seven Variety. We bring in two of the best analysts in all fantasy football, break down three games from every angle as far as the main slate uh, on Week Seven, and of course we run it back and talk about all the running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, all that good stuff that we do not talk about in the three main games. The usual suspects, the, the same contestants, returning champion uh, Rich Rebar. He spent all his, his winnings from last week on this fabulous new camera. What's up, Rebar, from uh, Sharp Football Analysis? <laughs> well, I don't people, have, man. It's popping. I don't have the camera yet. This is just uh, <laughs> the same radiant glow of winning a few bucks in week six. Yeah, well, I, have, I, I don't know if you can tell, but I do not have a radiant glow. I had way too much cream hunt. It was not a good week for your boy. But, hey, that's why it's Daily Fantasy Sports, man. Whatever happened last week, forget it. We care about today and today only. This is why we fade the chalk on this on this show. Yeah, well, you know, I have a heart. Kareem Hunt was such good. It was, in theory, it was good chalk. No, it was great. He was good chalk. Oh, man. Well, what do you Objective chalk. He was, <laughs> he was super, yeah. super popular. We didn't even talk about him last week because, of course, we record this show on a Wednesday night, and Kareem Hunt wasn't really a thing uh, last Wednesday night. And that's something to keep in mind when you guys listen to us. Of course, a lot of people listen to us live, but most catch us on the replay, on the Rotor Grinders uh, you know, podcast feed, on the YouTube as well. What up, YouTube? Do you like to subscribe, turn on notifications, all that good stuff? Also joining us, as usual, John Daigle from NBC Sports and also a good football show pod. I was just listening to you about an hour or two ago as I was uh, tilting my basketball contest. 
Well, a lot of fun. Uh, I, I did mention uh, basketball. Yeah, here in Rotogrinders, check us out. 520 every single uh, weekday, more or less. That's like the general time. But if you guys are playing basketball, DFS, grind at it, have, have some fun, join us. And uh, we're helping you guys out well, winning some money in the basketball streets. It's good times for sure. Super excited basketball's back. Daigle, how was your week six? How are things in your world? I don't know what basketball is from October to December, but I'm oh. sure you sh- everyone should check out the show because I'm sure it's good. Uh, yeah, an okay week. I couldn't get off the Patrick Mahomes double stack, and I had J.D. McKissick as well, but the afternoon was still what won it for everyone. I saw the nuts. I think Go Sixers Go, of course, took down FanDuel for the most part with Dak, CD, and then uh, Jacoby Myers run back, even though Myers <laughs> didn't have a touchdown. Almost did, but they cheated, so they took it back. And then, of course, also had Daryl Henderson and Cooper Cup. So just an interesting stack to note, especially the running back, wide receiver, and a high-team total non-quarterback stack, because that's kind of where we're at for this fun slate. Uh, Four teams have 30-plus point team totals, three of which are favored by 13 points, two that are favored by 16 points. So a lot of blowout game scripts, but also blowouts, that means the team was off efficiently, efficient offensively that's what i was going for to that point of the blowout so it's an interesting slate for sure yeah you have a general thought in that rebar as far as this week and i know the season-long guys are freaking out because all their good players are not playing uh no dallas no buffalo no jacksonville no chargers no minnesota no pittsburgh of course you know season long you can play these guys but as far as the slate we're talking about the 10 gamer we're not talking denver cleveland on thursday night thank god that's going to be miserable i think uh, Sunday night, Indianapolis, <laughs> San Fran. What a bad, bad, I mean, what a terrible game. Uh, Andy, San Fran on Sunday night. Yeah, we're not talking about that one. And of course, New Orleans and Seattle uh, were spared that one as well. But yeah, rebar, and especially in the late uh, the, the late uh, set of games, like the last three of the last four games of the four o'clock block um, are just all like what 14, 15 point totals or totals, uh, you know, as far as lines. So what's your general thought before we dive in and break it down? You know, the three key, three key games we're going to talk about in a second. But you have a general overarching, like, how to approach this slate? I bet those are all really good teams. And that's why they're favored that high, and they're probably going to score a lot of points. So <laughs> we, we can pivot to those guys. CD was my savior, like, when he was my pivot. I just started dumping dudes out. I, I came off of a lot of cream hunt to get the CD uh, in the Ooh. late. Like, that, that, that was, like, the guy. That was the pivot when the stuff that didn't go magically well, uh, you know, in Washington, Kansas City, all the, all the pieces in that one, we went there. So that one saved me. But yeah, I mean, look at you, if you're winning at one, you got to contend in the late games with probably the Rams scoring 30 plus on the Lions, Tampa Bay scoring 30 plus on the Bears and the Cardinals scoring 30 plus on the Texans. Uh, and then we've got the other game that we're going to talk about. So, I mean, there are going to be points scored on at least one side of those. And, you know, anytime that the one side is going to score 30, you never know what's going to come along with the other side, what kind of game script or what kind of weird things can happen in the second half of those games. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this would be another week where, you know, don't be alarmed if, you know, you're, you're not, you're not winning at one and, you know, <laughs> chiefs and t- Titans got there, uh, you know, you, there'll be options here for some high scoring games and some high scoring game environments later in the day. Also, if you are winning at one and victory lapping, I would I would hold off on that this week. No one does that. I think everyone's learned enough. I think by now, uh, <laughs> except for on Twitter, but uh, right. that you know, just don't you don't count any of that money, any of the green that's like there at like three o'clock Eastern. You don't count. You don't count any of that. Uh, four o'clock <laughs> green doesn't pay the bills. I was listening to the OG's podcast earlier today, and uh, Head Chopper was talking about how he was well ahead. He was he was doing really well. I think he was first in a contest like with two minutes left in that the Dallas game and he wasn't screenshot uh, life thing or anything, anything like that. But he, some, what happened was somebody 
congratulated him and said, hey, congrats, Chop, you crushed it or whatever. Way to take it down. And then he's like, yeah, I ended up losing money. <laughs> like, you know, three touchdowns later, whatever it was. And this is like a minute or two left and, you know, the two touchdowns in a minute or whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's rough. I mean, Chop's, Chop's going to be all right. He's what I think he'll be okay. Twice. <laughs> I think, think he'll be okay. Not going to take out a second mortgage, mortgage in the house. I think he'll be okay, but it's just uh, interesting how that works out. And also, yeah. like, I know yeah. the cost of living in San Antonio. I'm not going to hear him complain. <laughs> Is it cheap? It's a nice city. I've been. Water. It's, it's nice for one day. What's that hidden little underground world that's, uh, where you go? With my- <laughs> the, the Riverwalk? Yeah, Riverwalk. <laughs> you said, made it sound like Alice in Wonderland. I assure you, probably. Uh, I in, in, the, in the rabbit hole is probably more enticing than the Riverwalk 48 hours. But also, like, the suburb of San Antonio, I believe, is where he lives around. Like, that area is really nice. They got some good cocktail bars, by the way. Hey, man, I'm going to take a road trip one of these days and hang out with Chopper. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Austin's not too far away. I've heard good things about Austin, but... Uh, all right, first game on the slate. One of these games ain't like the rest. Kansas City and Tennessee, 56 is the total. It's the biggest total on the board. Tech, Tennessee at home getting five and a half points uh, coming off that Monday night game. Uh, Dago, you want to open it up for us? Kansas City, you know, it's Mahomes was – he had some weird interceptions last week, one that wasn't really his fault, one that was really goofy. Uh, Washington, of course, didn't keep up, unfortunately, so they couldn't really put the pedal – you know, uh, in the fourth quarter there, uh, didn't really, didn't really happen for the Kansas City pieces. Reek, Tyreek was uh, in and out. I, I'm not certain. I, I couldn't really understand what Twitter was saying. He was getting benched or if he was uh, hurt as far as uh, why he was out for a while. Then he came back. He did score a touch on the kind of salvage. But uh, this week against Tennessee, assuming Tyreek is good to go again, this is Wednesday night. Who knows about injuries and all that. But uh, I imagine we'll start with the, uh, the Kansas City side here, Daigle. It's just a matter of no salary cap. Can we can we keep these guys in? Can we afford them? Is this where we want to spend our big bucks? They didn't get there, oddly enough, despite the fact that Mahomes passed for 397 yards, two touchdowns, and averaged 8.4 yards per attempt. Uh, of course, it's the turnovers that's holding this team back as a whole to winning. 14, a league high this year, whereas the Jaguars, for instance, are in second with just 12. A fumble luck, of course, will always regress. It always does annually. The issue is that the mistakes that Mahomes makes, like his falling down interceptions, while he does make plays from those, those are probably just going to stick with Mahomes' his entire career because he knows he's capable of extending plays doing that. But still, not a big deal. This team is still third overall in yards per play at 6.2, right behind the Cowboys and Rams. They are still sixth in red zone scoring percentage on the year and first overall in points per drive. Nothing stops this train at all except the turnovers, and that's just in the winning category because everything else, the offense, is still clicking perfectly. Titans have also allowed at least 27 points in four of six games this year, the only exceptions being common foes in two divisional games against the Colts and Jaguars. Also, the Titans just lost. Chris Fulton got moved to IR. Their quarterback room was already awful, and now they put that awfulness on, on IR and first-round cornerback Caleb Farley and Fulton throwing Breon Borders and whoever else they can drag from the UPS delivery room onto the field by Sunday. And so overall for the Chiefs offense, especially through the air, we're not concerned whatsoever. Even in Tyreek Hill running the third most routes on the team, I, I don't think it was benching because like imagine benching Tyreek Hill ever. Uh, it was more or less he was dealing with that quad injury that he was DMP midweek and then got in a limited session on Friday Still the third most routes, but still to lead the team and targets and finish with just fewer than uh, 100 yards and still score a touchdown. Like, he's still just fine, even if he's limited. If we get, like, a limited practice on Thursday even, we should have even more confidence. All right. Uh, jump in here, Rebar, as far as your thoughts on the Kansas City side. And 
uh, as far as the key pieces, Tyreek or, or Kelsey, which one do you have a lean to? Of course, obviously they're both really good, but if you can only have one, who's, uh, you know, who's going to more likely to exploit this Tennessee defense? Probably still Tyreek. I mean, just because the, you know, the, the cornerbacks are so bad. The back end is so tough in Tennessee. Like, I mean, they're 29th in yards per target, a lot of deposing wide receivers, 29th in fantasy points, a lot per target. They've had 10 touchdowns deposing wide receivers. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'd still lean Tyreek. And then also, you know, if there's one spot, you're always willing to kind of not pay all the way up for it's still tight end. And there's only one tight end to pay up for. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's really, that's really, it. I have no problem with Kelsey. They both get there. I mean, you see, like, it's not always just like a, this or that thing with these guys. Like, I mean, they were the, they were the two most productive receivers on the team again last week. So if you want, if you want to choose the other one, no pushback, I do tend to lean towards Tyreek if everything checks out and he's healthy. Like they, like John said, I mean, this team is really the, the only one stopping them is themselves. I mean, they've punted 10 times this year, but the fewest in the league. Uh, they're also forcing the second uh, lowest uh, punts per drive top position. So we'll see what we get here. Uh, they are by far the worst run defense in the NFL, uh, and they're facing uh, <laughs> Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry, I don't know what we'll even say anymore about Derrick Henry. I mean, since week one, he has 240 more rushing guards to the next closest player. Uh, the dude just like, he's, he's constantly getting there. Uh, you know, we joked last week about like, Oh, this will be the week he doesn't get there. Cause he's not on the main slate. Uh, he saw a 76 yard touchdown run. Now he's back on the main slate as the most expensive price he's been all year uh, against this chiefs team. I mean, really the only way they can stop him is if the chiefs go up like 20, they might even need, that might even be not enough. They might have to go up like 30 because we saw in the Seattle game in week two, when they're chasing double digits, they still just keep handing it off to him. Uh, and that's because you can't trust this passing game really like at all. And it's not really, I don't know really where we draw the blame. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. One, this team is due regression for two years. Maybe it's just finally happening Two, their offensive line is, is worse than it's ever been uh, over this three year stretch. They don't have Arthur Smith. Uh, and the wide receiving core has been, you know, shuffling in and guys in and out of the lineup the entire season. So you've kind of put that cocktail all together and you've got some inefficient play. Also, despite them kind of having some inefficient play, they have 18 offensive touchdowns. That's ninth in the NFL. The only thing is, is the same thing we talked about last week. 12 of them are rushing touchdowns. They're second in the NFL in rushing touchdown rate, even with Derrick Henry scoring a touchdown seemingly every game in the past two years. Uh, 55% of their touchdowns were passing last year in 49.5% the year before that. Right now, it's at 33%, uh, just six passing touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill's a 3% touchdown rate. Uh, so, I mean, eventually, again, those things oscillate back. They swing back. Maybe this is the spot where it does. I wish that, like, Tannehill, though, for the way he's played so far this season, he's not priced, like, the way he's played. Like, people are still banking on him every week of, like, being, like, an efficient and potentially getting out of this slump, like on Fanduel, he's 7,600 still. Like I was expecting to open the app and be like, Oh, maybe we can go back to Tannehill this week. He'll be like seven K and like, he's super, he's, he's priced all the way up. So I'm like, well, what the hell, man, what are we really doing here? Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we are. We don't know if Julio Jones is going to play AJ Brown showed some life um, on Monday night to kind of give us a little bit of faith of going back to him. His pricing was, was frozen because it was on Monday night. So as a, you know, alternative game stack, if you're not paying up, for that ultimate dollar of the big dog. You can't do the ultimate game stack here. You can't go Mahomes, so big dog. You can't go Mahomes, big dog, Tyreek or Kelsey. It's just, you're out of, you're out of dough. I mean, fa- FanDuel, even if you go, let's say you want to start your running backs at Derrick Henry and Daryl Henderson, that's already 19K of your salary. It's absolutely insane since Derrick Henry is 11K on the week. And you know what? I can't argue against it. 
because we uh bills were the top defense in epa rushing all advanced metrics but then we found out quickly that your rushing defense is only as good as derrick henry allows it to be as he had 140 yards and three touchdowns also jeremy mcnichols was injured in that game in pre-game warm-ups and they don't have another third down option uh, except derrick henry that's why he handled 100 percent of the backfield touches so like if that's the case again and the backup running back is only their fullback Corey blasting game as Makai Sargent and Darrington Evans is still on IR are out like that's also another reason well okay maybe you do roster Derrick Henry at whatever price since he's going to get every single touch all right so a couple things here uh it's just really interesting because you guys are talking about Henry he's 11k on Fandle they are not messing around they shouldn't uh, man I, I love what sites <laughs> like that's what sites should do it's remember like when Fandle used to do it too with Russell Westbrook remember Russell Westbrook would just like go nuclear and they're like mm-hmm. well we just got to make this dude like 12k yeah it's like <laughs> and you can still pay it and find a make find a way to make it work uh yeah and you guys are talking about the can't say nothing stops that train like henry he is the one who knocks for tennessee uh so here's the interesting point here as far as uh i, I run my optimals right i run 100 optimals 150 optimals before the show and i'll go on Derek, the point is derrick henry what percent is he in the optimal lineup right now again wednesday night there's not a lot of injury news has trickled in we don't know stuff zero he's in zero percent of the optimals right now and again, that doesn't mean you shouldn't play him. Absolutely not. You know, uh, but it's just kind of interesting just because of salary uh, reasons. And also the Chiefs are not in optimals either. They're just not. Uh, right now, Tyreek Hill is a 9% on DK. Kelsey's in 9%. Mahomes in 1%. Just, again, this is Wednesday night. Don't freak out. Things change. Just kind of interesting to sort of note that. Um, Brown, A.J. Brown had some uh, Chipotle. Is that the story? Because I, <laughs> I, was, I was watching the game, but I had no volume on it. So I didn't really know what was going on because we were doing a show on air. Uh, it was, it was yeah. uh, his post-game interview. He said he was dealing with food poisoning. We knew that part. He was ill. And then uh, he just came out and said, well, one, he's not getting an endorsement anymore. And two, <laughs> it was Chipotle. It was actually we the need same the order, though. It was the same day I had Chipotle for lunch, actually. Oh. We need the order, though. What, what, was, the, right? what was the go-to? What was the go-to uh, Chipotle? It was for, Chipotle for and then basically apologizing to Chipotle. Yeah, Arthur Wan's got to let us know what the go-to Chipotle order was. Do you have a go-to? It sounds like you have a go-to. Uh, me? I mean, no, I just, I, I, I like to go either uh, chicken or barbacoa if I can. Hey, let me ask you this. I know you're not in Cincinnati, but you're in Ohio. Are you a Skyline Chili guy? Is that Hell the, no. The, oh, I, I figured I'd get a Skyline <laughs> take out of you. <laughs> that was a, a snap call. <laughs> it's gross. You're not, you're not a fan of Skyline because most people in Cincinnati, like they love that Skyline Chili. No, no it's, it's not. It's not it. Uh, is that just like a, a like a, a tourist trap thing that they don't like it's the big lie and anybody comes that comes through it's i think it's like gimmick, i think or? it's like the cincinnati equivalent of taco bell for hangovers because it's literally just spaghetti that is like molded into a ball and then you eat it with a fork and it has overtly yellow cheese on top so there's the three it's just way a, the four way the five if you want beans right cheese spaghetti I've had, I've had it one time and uh, I just still couldn't wrap my head around eating spaghetti at seven in the morning. So most of those chain places wherever you go are going to be more myth than, than good. Uh, you'll find a local mom and pop place or like whatever place that like yeah. Alton Brown, like look up something that like uh, Michael Simon like visited or something like that, like the food network, you'll find a better mom and pop place than you will at any of those chains. Uh, most of them will end up a little bit disappointing. It is the weirdest thing. There is a skyline right around the corner for me, and I'm in South Florida. It's just for, for no particular reason. I thought they're all in like Ohio, and that's that. But there is no South Florida has like one of everything. Like they'll just have like a Giordano's on like a corner, and you're like, what the hell is this in Florida? 
Yeah, but like, a, <laughs> but like ordering, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have a favorite spot, but like ordering pizza in Florida, just like, just be careful about what you yeah. order. Like if the, if the Skyline Chili is not good in Cincinnati, it's home. Imagine how good it is in Florida. Flo- Florida is a bad pizza state though. It, oh, it's terrible. It, yeah, it's a terrible pizza state. You got to import the water from New York. That's what I'm told, right? What, what if, what's the name of that place, the chain in, uh, in, in it's bi-week. So we're derailing the show. <laughs> this is the new concept. It's but, we're going to touch on all the big teams that are scoring. Don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> don't, don't worry. But the, the, the name of the, the, the Pittsburgh place that puts like the fries and the coleslaw. From Monty Bros. There was one around the corner for me there. They closed. It didn't work out. But Florida rejected it. Like, Florida's like, nope, this is not good. Enough. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Pramani Bros either. I didn't, I didn't get it either. It didn't do it for me. Uh, stick, what with else the, is, uh, stick with the Cubanos and the fish. You're just fine. What else is there to say about this game that's worth that's worth knowing? Do we like Daryl Williams? You know, it's, it's still his backfield. Did, did he do enough to justify rostering this week he scored a touchdown that's nice he's, he's a running back at a team with a 30 point implied team total yeah there you go fair enough i mean it's the same thing we talked about last week right like it's he's not gonna like really wow you but he's gonna be on the field a lot on a team that's gonna score a lot of points and have scoring opportunities he now has four uh touchdowns inside the five yard line this year i mean it's not overly sexy you're not gonna be excited he's not gonna kind of love the touches he gets but he's gonna be out there on a high scoring team getting the football Sometimes that's enough. And they, go, they go on a Wednesday night. How confident are we in the health of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones? I guess A.J. is feeling a little bit healthier, assuming he's digested everything and he's good to go. Julio seems a little bit a uh, little, little trickier, but their prices is, I mean, their prices are cheap and the matchup is good. And in theory, there's some upside. If Tannehill finally, like, you know, throws some touchdowns and Henry's not siphoning every single one of them. What, what are your thoughts as far as them in tournaments? A.J. Brown have full confidence going to play, and we saw all of his production, seven catches, 91 yards, came in the second half, uh, probably went to the back, got an IV during intermission, and came back out healthy. Whereas Julio Jones seems like a more touch-and-go situation. If you told me to lean one direction on a Wednesday, I would say he's not going to play. And if that is the case, it would go to Nick Westbrook, Akeen, Akine, whatever pronunciation it is, who finished third on the team in routes run, also got his three targets on that on one of those two last drives in place of Julio Jones to finish the game. The issue is on a slate where we're trying to spend up on everyone, he's also going to be the one that gets steamed at the end of the day if Julio Jones is ruled out. Um, he'll probably come in highly rostered in that case. All right, we'll move on. The Titans are getting the full Julio experience, year one. (laughs) This was always the argument too, right? Because in the offseason, like, everyone made such a big deal about the trade. And when completely healthy, I understand it. But also, every team trades a second-round pick for Julio if there was no risk involved. The thing is, there is always risk involved. And now we're seeing the full spectrum. Do you guys both do, like, season-long ranks and, like, raw points? That's something you do, I assume, right? And, and where do you where do you put these players? Because I just don't. I mean, salary is obviously totally different, but it just seems like such a mess. With the, how, how do you rank AJ Brown and Julio Jones? Just the way it's been, and I don't. It, it feels yeah. like they could be top five receivers this week, especially AJ Brown, assuming he's the healthier of the two. That's that's pretty much it. You say uh, AJ Brown is a very good player in a team that's going to have to throw the ball most likely, and you shove him up there in the top twelve wide receivers. Pretty easy. Um, Julio Jones, you know, you probably stay away from, but also if you're doing rankings, like on the redraft side this week, it's also a all hands on deck week since it is not only the bye weeks, but also injuries. And so it's not really even a matter of ranking. It's about asking yourself, how do I survive? And then just like starting and picking up these players. Yeah. All right. We'll move on. Philadelphia at Vegas. Uh, Vegas is a three point favorite 49 total in this game. Uh, you know, rebar, the interesting thing I was pulling up, uh, Derek Hardy is the blitz shout out the blitz there for Derek Hardy. 
this game, uh, amongst all the games on the, I think it's just on the regular slate. Yeah, I think it's just the main slate. Maybe it's all, I'm not really certain. I don't want to misquote it. But it's projected to have the most plays. The more plays, the more fantasy yeah. points. It's projected to have 133.5 plays to get all precise and all technical. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Vegas side first. Have you, did you notice anything different post-Gruden as far as how they ran their offense, or it's basically the same? I mean, they ran a lot more play action. Uh, 31% of Derek Carr's dropbacks were used play action. It was just 11.5% through five weeks. Uh, it's interesting because the Eagles don't run a lot of plays. So it's interesting that this one will get there. Uh, and then I also have a feeling, I have a, a funny feeling this week, and it's more of a hunch, that they're going to run the football a lot more this week than they have. Uh, you know, we saw that a little bit in the second half of last week. I mean, to be honest, though, who the hell knows? Because what, what has Nick Sirianni, like, showed us at all right now in terms of game planning? Uh, it's been an absolute mess what they're doing. I mean, they're not using any play action. They're not using any pre-snap motion. They're not using really any uh, designed runs for Jalen Hurts either. So I don't really know. But I, I do get the feeling that they are going to run the football because Miles Sanders has really increased his snaps the past two weeks, 84% uh, and 92% of the backfield touches. Uh, he's, he was efficient the past two weeks. Uh, he's run 20 times for 101 yards. He actually ran well against the Bucks on the little bit of opportunities that they had. Uh, and then you're facing a Raiders team that is completely susceptible to being run on. Uh, so I do think that we'll get some Miles Sanders. I like him. I think he's an interesting play this week. It might just be a product of the landscape, and I'm just seeing whatever I need to see this week to get through. Uh, but I do like him. I mean, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts, uh, is he keeps sucking out. He keeps getting there. He's literally the the walking Aaron Paul meme. You know, because if you watch Jalen Hurts, especially he's on an island game, you see all the tweets come out for three quarters. This is why this guy's terrible. This is we've been waiting for this moment all week, even though he keeps scoring 20 points a week. And then the fourth quarter comes around. He just gets two rushing touchdowns and twists the knife into the heart of all of those tweets for three hours. Uh, so, I mean, you, you hate to see it or you really love to see it. Uh, but he's the only quarterback now that's been a QB one score in all six weeks this season. He's got over 20 fantasy points in every game. He keeps finding a way to get there. And what's interesting about this matchup is the Raiders don't blitz. They blitz at the lowest rate in the, in the NFL. And you would say typically be like, Oh, that, that's awesome. Then, right? Like you're not blitzing a young quarterback. He's going to sit back, but it's really crazy is that Hertz is actually a lot better versus the blitz so far this year. He's averaging just under nine yards for pass attempt against the blitz and five of his passing touchdowns have come against the blitz. Uh, it's almost like you don't, he doesn't want to be throwing into zones and being comfortable. You want to flood, you know, flood windows for him because he's not a highly accurate passer. He's third in the NFL from the bottom in expected completion rate. Uh, you know, and you do, another guy, Justin Fields is last similar kind of archetype. Uh, so it's gonna be really interesting to see how this plays out. But like I said, he keeps getting there from a rushing perspective. Uh, I won't take up all the clock here because this, there's a lot of in, avenues to cover here because I see this game getting a lot of a pub, but man, there is a lot of interesting dynamics in this game from offensive defense, tactical uh, layout here that like they're, they're, these things could go south for a couple of these passing games really easy. We, uh, we made the breaking bad references earlier on the show today. What was, is the Aaron Paul uh, gift? Is that a breaking bad gift? Which gift is it? That? Is. It is the Aaron Paul gift. Which one is it though? I'm a that's the one that he keep, he can't keep getting away with it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's and I tweeted out basically the same thing with Jalen Hurts. Like, just roster him every single week and don't watch the game because you're gonna tell he's, so hard. He's averaged 156 passing yards the past two games and finished as the QB six and QB eight on the week. And I understand it's been little bunny touchdowns inside the five yard line, but that's what Jalen Hurts do. That's what he does best. So that's okay. Regression says that's supposed to change, I guess. But like you said, that that's just sort of what he does as well. And he siphons touchdowns away from Miles Sanders. 
I see in the chat, you're talking about Miles Sanders and uh, Josh Duck, Miles Sanders is tempting. Miles, Miles Sanders lock button, according to Swaggy P. 5. Oh, Swaggy 1K. P. <laughs> My guy. Speaking of great gifts, the Swaggy P gift where you're taking a shot and you're like, yeah, I got it. And turns around. Uh, it's, it's, it's playing amazing. Miles Sanders this week. That's what it's going to be. It's, it's, a, it's been premeditated. He's a, a Swaggy P is a, a precog from, you know, Minority Park. He's letting us know. We also have to wait and see. That's why it's a, it's a tepid situation because Dallas Goddard is still on the COVID list and also Zach Ertz traded. Um, unlike Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard can eclipse 30 receiving yards if he's going to play 88% of the snaps like Ertz did. We also saw a different coaching staff, of course, but – Goddard ran a route on 89% of Philadelphia's dropbacks in his four starts without Ertz last season. And we saw them also increased their rate of 11 personnel with only one tight end, right? They have Richard Rogers on the practice squad. Uh, Tyree, Jack Tyree Jackson activated from injured reserve, or at least had his window opened up. But overall, like they're not going to run 12 personnel because like that's what just they're going to do. They did that because they had two above average tight ends to play. Now they seemingly only have one. And that's why Kez Watkins, we've seen the past two weeks run around on 76% of Jalen Hurts' dropbacks. Also, we saw him get a 19% target share this past week. Um, Devontae Smith still trying to get that touchdown regression as he's 14th in air yards overall, but has scored only once on two end zone targets all season. So yeah, they're just, uh, there are quite a few different ways to play this game. Talking about the Raiders, uh, you know, again, anything you see as far, I see the chat, they're talking about the potential. I think that's producer Devin talking about a, a potential Darren Waller breakout game. He was spectacular week one, you know, kind of up and down since then, when you consider the salary you're paying for him. Uh, we see rugs seemingly catch a, a bomb basically every single week. Uh, how, how excited you are, are you about the, the Raiders side here, Daigle? And I guess add in Derek Carr, we didn't really talk about him, but he's there. He's playable, I guess, but I don't get too excited about him. Right. Like Rich noted, we saw them essentially double their play action rate since the play calling duties changed from John Gruden to Greg Olson. Um, but also Derek Carr, I wonder if it was just matchup based too, since they went in to scheming to attack the Broncos cover one man-to-man scheme. And that's what you even saw a car backpedaling a couple times and just launching one-on-one -on -one coin toss opportunities downfield. He did hit four of his six targets, 20 plus yards downfield. And we know in particular on the year, Henry Ruggs, 39% of his targets have been accrued from 20 plus yards downfield as like, that's where he's going to as an efficient player too, who can haul those in. So those that's kind of where my, uh, where I'm going to roster this passing game overall. Derek Carr also, that was, you know, after starting the year with 300 plus yards and multiple touchdowns in both games, and then going backwards with uh, 210 yards or fewer and multiple turnovers in both games after, and two games after that, we then saw him come back to, to what he was doing previously with 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. Um, I also wonder, this is a bit narrative-y, but I wonder, we've seen this so many times about like emotional highs after coaching changes. And then like, this is what we do in the betting world too. And then now the next game, that's why I didn't have money on the Broncos because I couldn't trust them in this spot. But now like afterwards, I just wonder if it's an amazing spot for the Eagles. But overall, yes, it is for me, you know, Carr, Henry Ruggs. And then of course, to Devin's point, 
Darren Waller, who last week was the first time all year he saw fewer than seven targets. Week one set an unsustainable floor for us with 19 <laughs> targets, but then at least he coasted by on at least seven targets per game until last week when he had just five. The only issue is also because of the landscape of this slate, Darren Waller is pretty much the only direction you're going to spend over, you know, five or six K at tight end. So that's where we need to talk about game theory. Rich, you alluded to a couple more angles you potentially wanted to work in here. Did uh, Daigle knock him out? Is there any still standing for you? Well, so the Raiders uh, as a passing game, I mean, are living, you know, the, the vertical passing world. Their cars live, you know, on downfield throws so far this season. Um, he's six in the NFL on average depth of target. He leads the NFL in completions of 20 or more yards. Uh, but the Eagles under Jonathan Gannon, they just sit back and they play shell coverage, two high safeties. Uh the whole time they try not to give up big plays. They're second in the NFL in 20 yard pass plays allowed and opposing passers have just a 6.6 average depth of target against them. It's the second lowest rate in the league. Uh, cars, the most fantasy points this season on throws over 15 yards downfield. Another quarterback, who was in the same trajectory as Derek Carr just faced the Philadelphia Eagles and Tom Brady, who's uh, who coming into last week led the NFL in completions of 20 more yards and was a top five quarterback in average depth of target. And when he faced the Philadelphia Eagles, his average depth of target was just 5.6 yards, which was ahead of just Geno Smith last week. Uh, the last time Derek Carr faced a team that pro that predicated itself on shell coverage and stopping the deep ball was the Los Angeles Chargers in a season low 5.8 yards per pass attempt in that game right now uh if you go to sports info solutions in terms of double move deep deep routes the raiders have three of the top nine guys in in, in amounts of routes around double in, in double move deep routes uh in renfro brian edwards and uh henry ruggs henry ruggs has eight targets over 30 yards downfield uh so far this season and five uh of his catches and 240 of his receiving yards have come on those throws and and the two touchdowns uh so i mean this is a team that's predicated on the vertical pass and they've lived on the vertical pass and the Eagles have lived on shutting down the vertical pass. They want to bleed you out. And you typically would say, all right, well that, that does, there's the signal, right? It's going to be our Darren Waller week, right? Darren Waller's gone through some of these stretches before, right? Like he goes dormant. He's done. He did it at the end of his not rookie year, end of his 2019 season is his breakout year. And then last year through nine games, he only cleared 50 yards just twice. Like we've seen stretches of him, and then he just goes on like just mega heaters. Um, but interesting enough, though, is that the Eagles, because they play that shell coverage, and just like the Chargers, they face a ton of targets to tight ends. The Eagles have faced the third most targets to tight ends per game, uh, 8.8. But they've only given up one big game, and they faced a, a lot of good tight ends. Kyle Pitts, four for 31. George Kittle, four for 17. Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey, four for 23. Dalton Schultz was the one that got him for the 680 and two on Monday night to kind of keep the lights on for kind of a, a Darren Waller, you know, kind of breakout game. But yeah, I mean, this, this Eagles defense, like they just don't give you a lot to work with. They're really boring in that regard. And then if they're able to get home with four and this offensive line's a problem, uh, you know, then, then that creates a problem for the Raiders because you can't run like the, the Raiders can't run the football. That's the their biggest problem. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Josh Jacobs, he, he hasn't run for more than 3.4 yards per carry in a game yet this season. Wow. Like their, their offensive line has just absolutely been bludgeoned. Obviously we knew that coming in, you know, they, they got rid of everybody uh, and it's, pre it's came and played out that way. Uh, you know, cause the Eagles, the way to beat them is they're very similar to the chargers. Like they want to invite you. They're going to be light boxes. They want to invite you to run the football. And the last time the Raiders played a team like that was the chargers and their offense did not look good at all. So yeah, it's, it's interesting because the, I see this game getting a lot, a lot of steam and from a matchup tactical leverage stance, like, I think it's a pretty bad matchup for the Raiders' passing game. 
You like uh, Philadelphia plus three? I don't know about that because I hate Nick Sirianni. It's a burning, it's just <laughs> passion right now. Oh my goodness, does he drive me insane? Uh, so I mean, I don't know if I like that, but I do, will say just from like a DFS stance, like I'm loading up on those guys. I'm probably more interested in the Eagle side, uh, the Miles Sanders side. Me and Swaggy P are going to lose our, our bucks, our, our shoot bucks on that. But uh, uh, you know, but yeah, Demis Devonte Smith's always there. I like the the Quez Watkins call, especially with the you know Earths you know now being removed from the picture. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting matchup altogether. I'm ready just to, to burn it all down. Maybe we'll go Waller, Miles Sanders stacks and lose it all. When I, when I mentioned like you guys go deep into these games, like double move deep route data, like that is not what I saw coming. This is why, this, <laughs> this is why Daniel and Rebar are the absolute best in the business. Uh, I think game, Hunter Renfro just practices double move routes like all the time. I don't think he's ever run a single move route like it is in his whole life. But, dating but also it's football. it's not 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Like it's he knows exactly <laughs> when to cut five yards out and then just go in. No, he's second. He's he, he's second behind Jamar Chase and double move deep routes in the, in the NFL. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Jamar that- Chase is first. Does that correlate with exercising? Is there some kind of correlation with the double move deep route? I mean, you have to have good cardio, I feel like, to uh, to pull off those moves because you've got to pull them off in a precise fashion, like a, like a figure skate route running. Well, it's like cardio, like now Renfro's actually getting the work in. Like uh, he's good for 54 yards a week, minus last week. True. But he's not good for 58. Like he's no. no more than 54. That's about, that's about it, whatever no, it is. 54 is his average. He's got a ceiling for sure. Uh, all right, the last game on the slate, the three games we're going to feature, we're going to run it back and talk about our fair plays on, uh, you know, amongst the games that we are not, uh, you know, we have not yet talked about is Cincinnati at Baltimore. Baltimore is minus six, 47 is the total. Uh, Lamar Jackson chalked it, burned us last week. Not really his fault, just every. We came on the show and just did the same argument we talked about Derek Carr. You know, he wasn't going to get there because he lived on the deep ball and was facing a defense that stops the deep ball. We told yeah. everyone a week ago to not play Look, Lamar Jackson on the show. It, I, it was I not only that, that, but also, also Dean, said, you're the host. Listen to the, <laughs> also said play Mark Andrews over Marcus <laughs> Brown. Like, literally said, that. yeah, I had some of him, but like Andrews, like got tackled in the one yard. I'm just tilted because every running back I played in fantasy four years ago scored a touchdown with the Ravens last week. Uh, what Bell scored, I think Freeman scored, I think Murray scored, and Lamar, did he? He, he might have threw one touchdown. I don't know. It was Andrews. Andrews scored. He had okay. Hollywood for a touchdown and missed him. Uh, Hollywood <laughs> could have got there. Uh, he was wide. I mean, right in his hands, you know. Is Hollywood good? Like, do you want to? Well, think- that was Lamar's fault. Lamar missed him on last week. He, Hollywood had his guy beat for the touchdown. It was right after the Chargers went for that fourth down that everyone lost their minds about in the third quarter. It was that. It was that. And then the Chargers still hold him to a field goal. So they, they were down three scores. Well, went for it, didn't get it, and we're still down three scores after they got the ball back again. Maybe I'm thinking of a different play, a different drop. I get my Hollywood drops confused. I thought he had <laughs> Anyways. It, uh, it was only the one week. Calm down. Like Marquise, <laughs> that's actually like why Marquise Brown is such an amazing play. Not to jump the quarterbacks here, but now I do wonder if they see the box score and think, okay, like that's Marquise Brown. He's just a fluky, like hot, cold player. Whereas we even talked about it. That was the matchup you didn't want to play him in. I didn't even want to play him in redraft unless I had to last week. Whereas this week now we get the Bengals defense and we know that in Marquise Brown's five games prior to last week, he averaged five and a half catches, 90 yards per game and a full touchdown per game. So now is the week to go back to Marquise Brown. By the way, Lamar is the guy. He's the quarterback popping in all the optimals right now on Wednesday night. Uh, I max it out at 70%. I don't want to get 100%. I want to kind of see a, a collection of options. And he's 70% on both DK and on FanDuel. So as of uh, this recording on Wednesday night, 
he is uh, currently the optimal quarterback. Uh, and are, are we going back to him, Daigle? Is, is Lamar uh, – well, I, I, I played him last week. You guys told me I shouldn't have. I'm not a good person at listening, apparently. But uh, how do you feel about Lamar versus the Bengals this week? Love him. Uh, 33 pass attempts per game and 9.1 yards per attempt, of course, before what happened last week against the Chargers. But then also, since it was so matchup dependent, like they obviously, and and they're clowning, they're pantsing of the Chargers, like didn't need to throw. Lamar Jackson's 26 pass attempts were just fine since they had 25 running back carries. And that all-star cast of 2013 running backs got over 100 yards combined together. Um, all of them, except Le- Le'Veon Bell, looked explosive in that matchup. Le'Veon Bell's just not going to look explosive at any point throughout his career anymore. But overall, yeah, it's a, uh, completely different attack I would expect and that's why I'm hoping the field is down on him this week even though I feel like given the rest of the slate like everyone's probably going to not play so much Kyler thinking the their you know 17 point 17 and a half point favoritism over the Texans and rightfully so at home is is going to take away from Kyler's game script and overall ceiling. Um, Same for Matthew Stafford. So I do wonder if everyone comes in heavily on Lamar Jackson. I don't know what you have at his projected ownership right now in the back. Do you think people just stay away from Kyler now because they just have no idea who to stack him with? They didn't, he wasn't played at all last week and threw four. He hasn't been for multiple weeks though. Like if you go back, like he's, like people are just, do you think that's the reason is because, you know, everyone's just such, so predicated, like you, you need to stack your quarterback and everyone's just looks at that Arizona situation. It's just like, what the hell, man? What do we do? Like, what do we do? <laughs> it's a good you question. Know? And uh, he's also not running as much. So I, I would say like you're playing naked. I was like, you're playing naked just by himself, play solo, mm-hmm. throw three or four touchdowns or run one in, you know, not, not, not two touchdowns, the one receiver, but wh- where is that? Where's the rushing gone? Is that, is that something that's a, just a small sample thing or you think that's something he's actually, well, they don't need it. I mean, the, the thing is, yeah. is it's not really needed right now either. So it's like hard to really say like, you know, it, it disappeared in the offense if they just haven't needed there they're just smoking teams and yeah. like he's he's been awesome through the air so like why would they yeah. like they had for everything that was wrong on the brown side last week the odds were stacked against the cardinals significantly i even had an early bet on the browns in before it reached a, a touchdown cardinals just with the the coaching covid cluster also no chandler jones no rodney hudson there were, and kyler banged up on the injury report for his shoulder throughout the week there was no reason for them to win that game and not only did they walk into Cleveland on the road and win that game, they just pants. They clowned the Browns out of the stadium altogether. Um, definitely need more, like need to be taking more serious than they are right now. For all those reasons you just ran off, uh, I made a donkey move and uh, uh, my cash games on Fando, I was debating between Minnesota, the Vikings versus Carolina and Cleveland versus Arizona. And I, all, all those reasons, I'm like, well, there's some wind. I'm not freaking out about it. Kyler's got a shoulder. We saw last year with the shoulder, he kind of fell off. He's got no coaches. Yeah, on the road, and yeah, like you said, pants stuff is a pretty good description. You always <laughs> play the guy versus Sam Darnold. You always play. You always play the defense. Breaking. You always play break the tie with Sam Darnold. So someone's gonna have to take <laughs> my uh, my cursor away from me because I keep clicking DeAndre Hopkins. I've done it now in back to back weeks, knowing he's gonna be less than five percent, which is just stupid because it doesn't matter because he's never gonna see double digit targets again his entire life. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's a revenge. We'll talk about that soon enough. It's a revenge game. So maybe he gets uh, like an extra target. He'll go like an eighth target this week or yeah. something like that. Uh, <laughs> but he keeps scoring touchdowns. So like it's, it kind of masks. It's masking like yeah, how low that uh, target share is for, for Hopkins. Uh, as far as the Cincinnati Baltimore game, by the way, I, I brought up that stat earlier about the uh, Cardi's projected snaps per game. Uh, this has got to be one of the lowest. So yeah, that's the interesting thing. Yeah. And rarely do we pick this kind of game, right, Rebar? 
This is the lowest game on the board as far as projected plays, 120.3. It's dead last. So just so you know, as far as the top to the floor, uh, 133.5 is projected uh, plays in Vegas, 120.3. And like, it's something that's not talked about a lot, but, you know, it's simple. Like if the more plays, the more opportunity for fantasy points. There you go. And we're talking about the difference of like 14 plays or so. Uh, but does that matter enough for you, Rebar, as far as the Cincinnati-Baltimore game? Jamar Chase just needs one. He's got to get loose, and he's probably going to get loose every single week. So why is he going to catch another 70 yards? It's tough. It's tough because the margins are really tight. Like when we're talking about overall play volume, you know, uh, you know, the, the team that's lowest in the NFL in plays. Like, so Bears games are the lowest. They average 118, you know, plays per game. And um, I'm trying to pull up who's the highest, but I believe it's in the 120. So we're still talking just 10 plays in a game. Like it's still, the margin's still really tight, uh, you know, and of course, like you have teams like Philadelphia and the Raiders that who haven't run the football at all this year and they haven't really tried because well, one, the Raiders can't, and then you know, two, we talk about Nick Sirianni, uh, but they're fifth and seventh in passing rate over expectation. These are two teams that are not, these, these are teams that, that run the football uh, a lot when they, when they can, you know, when it's, when it's available to them, the, the Bengals have been a team that have run the football a lot. So that's why it projects to be kind of a slower sluggish pace game. There are some interesting wrinkles in this game. I was glad Dale kind of uh, chose this one. I thought we might get Falcons, uh, uh, Dolphins mixed in. That game's getting a lot of buzz too. Uh, that's but second, I, by the way, second as far as total plays projected, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there are a couple of wrinkles in this game. So we talked about it last week too. Cause if you remember going last, back to last week's show, we talked about how Justin Herbert had struggled against the blitz and what happened in that game last week, the Ravens just threw blitz after blitz after him. And Justin Herbert went six of 13 against the blitz for 58 yards. Uh, and you know, if you're going to face the Ravens, like how do you handle the blitz? Cause they blitz the fourth highest rate in the NFL. That's what Wing Martindale's defense does. It, it's that their linebackers aren't, they don't have linebackers that have versatility. So like they have to send these guys, they have to send extra guys. It's the personnel and the roster they built. Now it's hurt them a lot this year because they don't have the back end pieces. They don't have the cornerbacks that they had. Now they had some good cornerback play last week uh, that really, that really helped out. But for the larger part of the sample of the season, the back end doesn't held up. So we, they've given up a lot of huge plays. So Joe, Joe Burrow so far to this point has been phenomenal against the blitz. He's been blitzed on 27% of his dropbacks, the 12th highest rate in the NFL. He's 34 of 47 against the blitz, uh, 72% for you people trying to do the calculator at home, 10 and a half yards per attempt and six of his passing touchdowns have come against the blitz. So Joe Burrow, I mean, it, it's funny because in a, in a larger week, a larger field week, he might go a little, he might slide a little bit. I noticed because it's the bipocalypse and we've got four top 10 quarterbacks on by, he's still, you know, projected as a top 10 guy. I think he would be more of like a fringe guy because most people see Baltimore and they're just their brain instantly goes to elite defense, right? Like elite defense, but he's been good against the blitz. The Ravens outside of last week's game have shown they were more. Well, maybe it's a turning point. Maybe it's a fulcrum point for their season, but also we know what they're going to do. They're going to send a lot of heat and they're going to put a lot of players in one-on-one coverage situations against the team that has really viable wide receivers. Uh, it won last week against Big Mike. He was a little hobbled, though, in Keenan Allen. But, you know, uh, we've got Jamar Chase, basically the, the best deep ball wide receiver through six games of his career, basically since Randy Moss right now. Uh, you know, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. So, I mean, if they're going to send heat and Joe Burrow is able to roll over his production that he's had against the blitz so far this season, uh, there are some big play opportunities and splash play opportunities. And the Bengals lead the other tied at the Cowboys right now and touchdown scored from outside of the red zone with eight. Uh, but they have the highest percentage of team touchdown scored from outside of the red zone uh, in the NFL. So there could be some big splash play upside here. Uh, we just wish they'd start throwing some downfield targets to T Higgins. All right. Let's say when, 
Well, well, when you say splash plays and downfield attempts, that's when you know it's only going to be Jamar Chase. Uh, Chase has 14 of the team's 19 targets, 20-plus yards downfield this year. Burrow goes one direction when he's under duress or asked to throw deep, even though Higgins did profile as a deep threat out of Clemson. When he was healthy with Burrow in six games last year, he was the team's leading opportunity receiver, 20-plus yards downfield. It just is all gone to Chase. So you can play Higgins if you want. Um, the past two weeks in particular – since Higgins' return, he has only three fewer targets than Chase, but also Chase nearly has 200 more air yards because that's the direction Burrow's going. I was keeping my eye on Chad. I apologize if you touched on him. Did we talk about Mixon? I know we're talking a bunch about Burrow and the receiving. He just there. started. Well, we remember we went on a weird tangent and other things, and we just kind of got back to the game. We started talking about Texas Cardinals. Okay. I I thought I heard his name in passing for a second, but I'm like, oh, did I miss the Mixon talk? Well, do do we like Mixon this week? Yeah, I like Mixon. Uh, We saw that he was healthy, at least, whereas P. Ryan had 30 more, nearly 30 more snaps than him two weeks ago. Last week, Joe Mixon had 45 snaps to Chris Evans, 16, and he actually outtouched Chris Evans 24 to 6 until the Bengals had a 27-0 lead in the fourth quarter. That's when they started scaling him back and giving Evans and Travion Williams more run. Evans was still mixed in on passing downs, but just the fact that Joe Mixon, whether this is sustainable or not, is another question, but Joe Mixon did at a season high 20% target share in that game. And so if we think it's going to be a competitive game, then of course, like that's certainly an option to run out there as well in a skinny stack or run back. Dingo, what do you have for me as far as the receivers? I know we touched on Brown there for a second. Andrews has been really, really good of late. The price is still pretty good on DK, especially. And then we saw Rashad Bateman get worked in, made some catches last week. His, his, his uh, salary is still really, really cheap on DK. You have to assume if nothing else, he's going to get more snaps than what he got last week. I think he's 3.4K, I want to say. That feels like an interesting cheapie. Uh, well, what's the uh, the grade for, for Bateman after game number one for him? A cheapie, especially if you think his role was going to increase, which, of course, we all do. Uh, they even said they weren't going to throw him into the fire and put him down on every play. We didn't expect that. But also, I was pretty encouraged from his usage in his first game off injured reserve. 65% of the snaps, a 22.2% target share, also second on the team among their wide receivers anyways, and routes run over De- Devin DuVernay. We have to wait and see Sammy Watkins' status. But since Watkins did average 17 routes per game for the Chiefs across three seasons with them, I would imagine as the more experienced slot player, that's where they throw him into. Uh, Bateman, of course, did run 91% of his routes from the slot last year in college. But prior to that, he was more of a boundary receiver. So he can be moved anywhere. But I would think they just keep him on the boundary in two wide sets. So if we think his role is going to increase overall, it's really not a bad option on DraftKings. And 5-3 on Fandle, too. It's still, that seems pretty playable. It's like by dollars from the floor. That's yeah. pretty cheap. And he was, he was more of a like five yards per target is not sexy. I understand. He was more of a chain mover. All four of his receptions went for first downs, but did also have a drop pass. And again, we are just hoping that his role increases. So you have to have a little bit of hope when playing him, but overall, like, I don't think it's a bad play. You got a thought Rebar? Um, no, not much. I mean, I, he's, he is what he is, right? Like he's, I think he's a way better, uh, you know, game stack play than he is like to keep chasing the chasing like seasonal. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he's like, he's more of like a, he's still just a guy to kind of wait and see, I think, and see what happens. Um, But yeah, I mean, I have no pushback on anyone that wants to take a, take a shot on him. All right. Those are the three games. We'll talk about our favorite players and other positions. Just a second. Uh, We're going to give you the, the Evan Silva fun fact. We promised that as the new bit, I'll I'll give you a second dangle to think of one as I uh, talk about. Oh, I I mean, I already know it. We had an event for the weekend. You got one good to go. 
I didn't, I didn't actually in. know it was going to become a segment. I thought it was going to naturally work it in weekly. Um, <laughs> but I will say, as someone without kids, Dean knows, uh, you know, I log off. I try to log off on Friday night and Saturday. I don't always do a great job of it, but my Saturdays literally entail uh, sunrise golf by myself. And then I go for a long trail run. And then after that, I usually update some stuff just to get up to date with injuries and whatnot. And I got done around 5, 6 p.m. this past week. Schedule was completely clear until I needed to wake up and build some D more DFS lineups and make some overnight edits. And so I texted him because, of course, he's upstairs sleeping. He just naps all afternoon. Um, and then I was like, hey, like, I I'm free now. Let's go get some steaks and wine. Let's just have a, a good dinner tonight. And he goes, no, like, I'm staying in. I'm trying to be healthy, bro. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll go out and get dinner myself. No big deal. And then I think I walked upstairs around midnight or one. I was up just like watching some late college games. And I saw the man trying to be healthy had door dashed 7-Eleven. That's your first red flag. He door dashed 7-Eleven, <laughs> but then he door dashed a carton of milk with five different cookie selections. And that was his dinner, trying to be healthy. And then he just walked back upstairs and went back to bed. That's, that's what he ate and then just went upstairs. That is, that is pretty amazing. This is the goat himself. These are his habits. Does he drink the milk just the same way he drinks the jug of water in the same sort of, I just picture, he's like the liquids out of jugs, apparently. Well, I also recently discovered, I was offended. I recently discovered he just drinks Bailey's on ice. That's it. Just Bailey's on ice. And so I don't know what happened with that milk. Like if he put it in ice or if he drank the whole gallon, but either way, all I know is the entire carton was gone in one day. I didn't know that was humanly possible. So that's all I know. I saw what the trash can had offered me the evidence. You, uh, you mentioned, it's funny, you mentioned naps, and I'm going to mention Chopper one more time, because I heard Head Chopper say on a previous podcast, he hates naps. Now, look, I know we all disagreed, or we had a, we had a disagreement on the red zone. I couldn't believe you guys are not on team red zone. Uh, you know, Rebar, you got to be on team nap, right? Who's anti-nap? Well, no, I'm a, I'm a, a cat napper, but it, it, what's the definition of nap? See, like, so my wife, she can't nap. She just goes back to sleep. Like she just yeah. like goes to sleep for like two hours. See, I can close my eyes for like 10 minutes and like be good. Like I, I, I like, a little, like, I guess the, the definition of a cat nap, but like, I, I mean, I don't consider like what she does is taking a nap. Like she's just got like, you can still go back. Like you don't get into your bed for two hours and call that a nap. Like how long is the world's <laughs> longest nap? Like when is it no longer Like what are we defining a nap as? Cause I'll yeah. close my eyes on the couch or the hammock or like sitting on the back the patio for 10 minutes and be good to go. Like I, I count that as a nap. The, you, you can't nap the, for four hours. The, the entire the entire thesis of a nap is like to refresh anyway. So I think just closing your eyes in silence is totally fine. It's like meditation. Like you're just fine. Uh, I know the proper way to nap, which no one does. But the proper <laughs> way to nap, it, does, it takes the average human being, I think, five to seven minutes to fall asleep. And then you're supposed to nap no longer than 32 minutes because after 32 minutes, it becomes sleep inertia. And that's why you feel foggy afterwards because usually your nap is over 32 minutes. Um, knowing all of that information, I usually still sleep an hour, an hour and a half. I feel like I learned a lot. I wasn't expecting these answers. That was very good. Well, it takes, it also takes Dean 22 minutes for caffeine to hit your veins. And so uh, they call it the Nappuccino. If you, you know, take a few espresso shots, then get that 25 to 32 minute nap in and then wake up. The caffeine hits you as you're waking up. And it's like the ultimate high. The Nappuccino. Or just do drugs, whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Seema segue into our sponsor. <laughs> stop throwing your money away it's time to check out jock market the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange you buy and you sell shares of players in real time for real money uh download now for a 100 
match up to $50 using the promo code GRINDERS. And get this, if you do not turn a profit this week, Jock Market, they're going to cover your losses in your very first event. Download Jock Market in the app or Play Stores and check out uh, jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com, jockmarket.com. Use the code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. All right, uh, let's knock out some of our favorite quarterbacks we've not yet talked about just yet. Uh, Daigle, uh, we have we have the Sean McVay revenge. I don't know whatever you want to call it. Sean McVay versus Goff. This is one of those games where it's like, well, I don't know if I can play the Rams because they're gonna they're gonna blow them out. And it's like, well, okay, they're gonna blow them out, but how do they get those forty points? Right? They just blew out the Giants. <laughs> those points happen. Like they they still count for sure. Uh, Kyler against Houston, same deal. Like you gotta assume they're gonna beat up on Houston pretty good. Rogers versus Detroit, super interesting. Uh, well, who do we have as far as our uh, some? Of, well, feel free to give thoughts on those quarterbacks and anybody that, that's off the board that I've not yet touched on. I don't know who I threw that to. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Stafford had only 28 pass attempts, but when you're that good, it doesn't even matter. Still threw four touchdowns, 250 yards. Like I told you, in mid and high stakes, he was um, one of the optimal quarterbacks to roster, Dak being the other, since so much roster percentage came down on Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Heineke, who was just, you know, he was Taylor Heineke. He was just outright bad, didn't help anybody. Um, And also 8.9 yards per attempt for Stafford. So overall, yeah, sure. I mean, they're going to build a comfortable lead. And uh, they're going to keep their foot on the gas. We saw that they had no issues benching both Henderson and Stafford when they got that lead. But of course, that's what everyone worries about. And there's only one way you get that lead is when your good players are good. So overall, like Stafford, Henderson, Cup, like they're, of course, they're all in play again. The one question I have at quarterback, actually, Rich, I know you have your finger on the pulse in this situation better than most people. Do you think- Do I? Well, we're about to find out. Do uh, do you think Justin Fields is going to be asked to throw, or are we going to get the same game plan as usual? Since, of course, teams have thrown on the Bucks at a league high forty one point eight yard, uh, forty point eight attempts per game. It's just a matter of that has not been Laser and Nagy's calling so far. Yeah, a big uh, assumptional of rational coaching uh, game for the for the yeah. Bears. Uh, we'll see if we get it. Uh, I will say though, this I mean is. This is a guy. This is a terrible spot for Justin Fields. I know people want to make this out to be good. He's been so bad against the Blitz so far this season, and he was bad in college against the Blitz. And he's facing the Blitz heaviest team in the NFL. I mean, it's really hard for me to get there. I know people want to talk about the dropbacks and his ability to run, and he actually scrambled and made some plays last week. And maybe that's enough. Maybe just throwing him in the hair and fire situation is enough to get to scare this out of him. Uh, but man, I think it just, he's been, he's got such a track record of being a slow processor and terrible against the blitz going back even to his college days. And it's been a problem in the NFL that, I mean, I feel like the wolves are about to be called uh, on him this weekend. So, I mean, it's, it's a short week. We've been chasing that flop lag, you know, you know everyone's kind of knows like he's capable. He's going to have a, a QB one scoring week. He's definitely going to, but I mean, I don't know, man, I don't feel great about this spot for him. It's, yeah, I only asked because, like, that's when I look, that's the one place I would want to spin down with some big dogs. Yeah, I could definitely, yeah. I, I um, wouldn't unless do someone it. wants to sell me on Tua. So I wouldn't do it in a uh, in a, uh, a small field tournament. You Like, if you're going to play fields, he's, he's completely large field. Like, he's completely large field tournament. He's the, he's the burn your $20 on the milli. Yeah, he's large field tournament. Like, you're not going to go with your, because I, I know the way you play. Like, he's probably, like, not a guy. Like, you probably, like, you want to get your five max. Like, He's tough to, to play in your short fields. Uh, you know, no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, I do think that, yeah, that that Falcons 
Dolphins game will get, uh, you know, talked up a little bit, you know, both on both sides, you know, just because one were short on, you know, kind of back and forth teams. These are two other two teams that really can't run the ball well. I mean, the Falcons do want to try to run it. Like, they'll try to run it if they can. But uh, the Dolphins have basically thrown their hands in the air and said, nah, since week one, Miami quarterbacks have dropped back to pass 53, 57, 35, 44, and 51 times. Like, they just have no interest in trying to figure out what this offensive line can hold up and this gaggle of vagabonds they have in this running back backfield rotation uh, can do. So, I mean, I mean, I think two is probably going to throw it, you know, 40, 40 times. So you're going to get the volume on that side. And he offers a little bit of Konami. He's not a full Konami guy, but can get you 20 plus rushing. And he might get Devontae Parker back against this Dean piece, you know, defense that also is going to blitz and leave guys one-on-one. Um, so, I mean, th- I think that that game will get talked up. Uh, Rogers, I think is the one guy, like I'm looking to see if, if he does go overlooked and Washington has allowed, uh, a top seven score now in every game, but one so far this season. Uh, and they've allowed 22 passing points per game. So it feels like a really good spot for Rogers. I don't know if like said, Heine, we'll get Heineke to punch back. I mean, it looks like he's just about burnt out the, his wick on, uh, yeah. uh, on making us like kind of respect him a little bit. It's just too bad now, but I mean, he, he averaged 1.7 yards air yards per completed pass last week. I guess the chiefs too. <laughs> that is that is hilariously bad uh so is that a worse week than robbie anderson who had what 11 uh targets and 11, <laughs> 11 targets 11 yards oh man what Listen. a worse week arguably yeah i joked with ian harditz on twitter today because he was uh pumping up robbie anderson i said everyone gets a turn every week you know we just pass them along it's uh <laughs> you know someone will get a week to hype him up eventually someone will be right i was there last week i was in on him last week i know Dago was a couple weeks ago i forget who they played oh i Dago remember i mentioned i mentioned him in a skinny stack last week on the show <laughs> and uh i got off justin jefferson i went to dalvin cook robbie anderson skinny stacks but um robbie anderson was still like you know, even 9% of mid-stakes is too comfortable for Robbie Anderson. I thought I was going to get him at like 2%. He was like 12 bucks on Yahoo and like, you know, $2 above. I don't know if you guys play there. $2 above the floor. So I had, I had a fair bit of him over there. And uh, it's so weird. He scored a touchdown and he's still kind of, well, he wasn't good. <laughs> he's, Yeah, the, the, the Mike Davis game of scoring a touchdown and still not being good. <laughs> but I'll just say this as far as the quarterbacks. Uh, you mentioned fields. And I know it's the highest variant thing to predict, uh, predict, predict defense. But this feels like an awesome like pay up on the Buccaneers week, um, you know. Well, just- defenses in general, like you've got the Patriots, you've got the Bucks, you've got Packers. the Rams, uh, you've got the like they're like all those defenses are just look like pretty great objective plays. Um, I mean, I want to play against Zach Wilson every week, like if I can, if I can afford the defense versus Zach Wilson, I want to try to get there. But yeah, the Bucks too also look very. They all look good. All those defenses look good it's a good general thought to like maybe spend up on defenses this week because a lot of people just want to save salary because they embrace that variance and any, any team can score two goofy touchdowns. That's just how that goes sometimes. But uh, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about some running backs. Uh, Rebar, give me, give me some running backs that are on your list that we have not yet talked about. Who do we talk about? We talked about Miles Sanders. Uh, Henry. Yeah, we talked about Henry. Oh, well, if, uh, if Antonio Gibson doesn't play, I mean, J.D. McKissick, man. I mean, I get it. Like, people think he's just like uh, an ancillary, like, satellite back. But we saw when Antonio Gibson went down last year. Uh, he played 65 and 88% of the snaps in those games. He even got goal line carries in those games. Last week, when Antonio Gibson left the game, Jarrett Patterson played two snaps. Now, some of that wow. at the end of the game was get game script. But, like, J.D. McKissick is a guy that, they, that this staff, this staff that's there, has let him elevate into being a, a – a ball carrier 
So, I mean, if he's, if Antonio Gibson doesn't play, he's the, he's such an easy bring back. I feel like with Rogers and, and Devante, um, cause he, he gives you the out the best of both worlds, right? Like if he's going to get the, te- the touches and carries, and then also be the guy that if, if all hell breaks loose, like is just getting just peppered with dump offs, uh, you've got a, a high floor for his price because on both sites, he is really cheap. Uh, I'm trying to see what he is in DK. Cause that's obviously where we would prefer to play him. Uh, he's five or he's five K uh, he's five K on DraftKings. Uh, and then he's five, seven on FanDuel. So, I mean, he is a guy like I'll be monitoring this Antonio Gibson thing throughout the rest of the week and seeing what we get. Uh, because I feel like some people, even if Gibson is out, people will talk up Patterson because he's the hot new thing, you know, a hot new rookie and you'll pick him up on waivers. Um, and then they also will draw that McKissick is just like a pass catching back and he's not going to get any elevation, but, uh, Oh, contrary. Yeah, I mean, he just recently had 16 touches against the Chiefs, and only eight of those, only eight of those were catches. Like, the others were, of course, carries, because that's how they're treating him. So, Patterson, I mean, Patterson is just, like, he's a non-athlete. He plays special teams well. Like, that's why he's on the active roster. But, like, he's not the same guy who was, like, basically the Daryl Henderson version of small school production in college. Like, in the NFL, there are just so many more athletes that can easily tackle him. He's not the guy who's going to carry a workload ahead of McKissick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Daryl Henderson. He looks pretty good too this week. That's yeah. That's that's the weekly though. DraftKings <laughs> yeah. just won't do it. Like Fanduel at least got Henderson to eight K. DraftKings just they're not even going above seven K. Even though Henderson can, keeps handling every single touch. Even last week, uh, until the Rams took a thirty-eight to three lead, Henderson had twenty-two of the twenty-four touches. And now we got Sony Michelle DMP on a Wednesday. So it's just like the the train keeps moving as well for Henderson every week. Six point six K seems uh, seems too cheap for sure. Crazy. Swift is another guy like Swift is the best running back on his team. He's the best receiver on his team and uh, he's game strip proof, right? He'll be, he'll stay in the field and just catch passes if you're down by 20. I assume uh, like, you know, it's not fun to get attacked. Well, he's not game offense. strip proof actually. It's okay. That you're not going to get the game script that, that, that is proof to him though. Well, no <laughs> points. The points are a problem. Well, the, 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 the neutral game script is a problem, which the lions are never in. They've trailed for 100% of their second half snaps. That's so, amazing. Uh, that's a problem. Neutral game script, because that's when you see Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is an afterthought running pass routes and in, in involved in the passing game. Uh, but in neutral game script, that's when you see Jamal Williams get peppered in for drives. And he's even stolen a few green zone touches from DeAndre Swift. But the Lions have been so bad. DeAndre Swift is, is just growing nuts in the second half of his games. He has uh, the, the most fantasy points scored in the fourth quarter this season. He leads the NFL in receptions in the fourth quarter. And uh, 47% of all of his PPR points have come in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, I mean, the, there's no reason not to believe it doesn't happen again this week. Uh, but it's just, it's just, it's it, the Lions, the game script that will prevent him from ever going off is the neutral game script. Which is, which is good though, because that's the Lions. Uh, right. Like you said, they, <laughs> it's not going to happen. They've, they've had a lead for two plays and I believe seven minutes and 40 seconds all year long. And they haven't run an offensive snap with, with the lead. They took the lead against the Ravens, uh, <laughs> but also, but then they, they gave it right back up. They had it against Minnesota, right? Like 30 seconds to go or a minute to go. Didn't Same thing. They lead? took the lead in two games, but yeah. never, they've never held the ball ahead on the scoreboard. Man, that is, that's <laughs> wild. Uh, I also wrote down like Damian Harris versus the Jets, Chuba versus the Giants and uh, Uncle Lenny versus Chicago. Those guys do anything for you, Daigle? Yeah, uh, Damian Harris is an interesting game theory play because it seems like everyone wants Ramondre Stevenson to be a thing, but it's just not happening. Like, yeah, he ran one more route than Brandon Bolden as the as the James White version with for the Patriots this past week. But overall, even on Stevenson's touchdown, 
on the one yard line, Damon Harris got hurt the carry prior, came off the field, and then Stevenson got put on for that luck box touchdown. Damon Harris still had 18 touches. Like he's still the leading running back within a team that is favored by seven points in this game. We've already seen the Patriots as well play Zach Wilson once in week two. He had four picks and averaged 6.3 yards per attempt. So pretty favorable game script for Harris, especially if no one's going to get there, thinking Stevenson is going to be integrated heavily. Also, I don't know if I'm going to get there, but I think at least a good late swap position is going to be James Conner. Does have double di- on FanDuel only because um, Conner doesn't have more than one target in any game this year. That's not his role, but does have double-digit carries in five of six contests. Again, we mentioned it earlier. The Cardinals are 17-point favorites at home against the Texans who are only starting Davis Mills because they have no other option. So I think it's a pretty good game script for Conner as well. Is Edmonds ever going to score a touchdown? Who's going to score no. first, him or the, the dude of New England's? Um, which dude of New England? Anybody in the Jacoby England. Ma- I assume he's talking about Jacoby Myers. Oh, Jacoby Myers. Okay. I'm trying to think of any of them scoring touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I don't. But Myers did get a he, – he, he, he scored a two-point conversion, and he, he was in the end zone. He did not get electrocuted. Like, it's not that – like, he's fine. He survived it, but it was only worth two points. I guess it doesn't count. Yeah, he also had a two-point conversion. We know that he can now touch yeah. the paint without dying. We have proof of that now. So uh, that's not the reason why he's not getting in. He's just not getting in. Chase Edmonds also does look awesome. He looks so good between the 20s, but uh, he's never going to – he may die inside the 20, though. They may actually take him out for health purposes. The end zone is lava. Um, <laughs> all right, wide receivers. The, Devont, I mean, like, you know, We talked about Henry, what a phenomenal play he is. Yeah. That's keeping you from that. Talk about Devontae Adams every week. Yeah, now it's Devontae versus Washington. The nuts versus the nuts. Like, in the nuts in the nuts spot, like – you know, what, what are we going to say? Like, uh, Rebar, uh, tell the people that Levante Adams, Devontae Adams is a good player. Like, of course he is. It's just a matter of lineup <laughs> construction and all that stuff. And, I mean, I don't – prioritization, uh, ideally, if you want – if you can get Henry and Adams in the same lineup, you know, you're, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Of course, everybody else is going to try to do the same thing until he realizes – Yeah, and, I mean, it sets up. Washington is another blitz-heavy team, and Devontae Adams, 55% of his targets are when he's come out of the slot um and you know you look at some of the guys that have played have really torched Washington it's a lot of slot production uh Cole Beasley 11 catches Keenan Allen nine catches Tyree killed nine Sterling Shepard nine uh so I mean if you're gonna send blitzes and there were already Adams is already working in that that role I mean they, they're constantly getting him open which is crazy because everyone and their grandma knows like they're <laughs> predicated on getting Devontae Adams the football and they're still getting him open uh yeah really good spot uh, like you guys know for Devontae Adams. Um, I don't have a ton of like off the cuff receivers, so I'll let Daigle go ahead and run a few. Go ahead, Daigle. I mean, Quest Walkins is my sneaky one, but um, I guess it's not really off the cuff either. But Calvin Ridley comes back, still top 10 and target rate per route run at 26%. Uh, did not go to London, but now he's going to return, and it's a very good spot against the Dolphins defense that just allowed Trevor Lawrence even to go over 300 yards because they're so banged up. You know, they, they lead the league in cover one, man covers. That's why they gave Byron Jones and Xavier Howard lucrative contracts, and both of those players are just extremely injured right now. May not play again this week. I believe they are DMP on Wednesday. So something to monitor because that's how we would attack the Dolphins through their secondary then. And then if Devontae Parker is available, like that's mm-hmm. that's still someone who, uh, you know, leads the team in end zone target still. And so I'm fine going right back to him. Jalen Waddle's role changed. He had a higher depth of target this past week with Tua. But also remember, like, they didn't have anyone. They didn't even have Preston Williams in that game. Uh, Mac Hollins ran a route on 100% of Tua's dropbacks because they were so disheveled at wide receiver for all their bodies available. So if we get Parker and Waddle back, like, yeah, I don't mind going back to Parker. 
That's a good segue to tight end. You know, Gusecki and the, the tight end on the other side, Kyle Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts had a big breakout game over there in London, obviously. Uh, you know, we talked about Kelsey, of course, if Kelsey, by all means, same deal with Andrews. Uh, but, you know, these guys are a little bit cheaper, but still, you know, there's, they come with some promise. Hawkinson on Detroit, I, I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to check his snap count. I always was playing through an injury. I, I, I saw him on the field a few times. I think he had a decent week. Is he yeah, something you consider? Yeah. Is he just like playing mostly every single snap? I assume he is just kind of toughing it out. Is that what's going on there? He's, yeah, he's, he's out there. Yeah, okay. he, he's out there. And um, it's he's just third in routes run per game for tight ends. I mean, it's just, you know, you have to just survive the golf weeks. He's been injured too. Like he's just, you know, the past couple of weeks he's been injured. Um, I believe also DMP again today, but that's kind of been their routine. That whole team is like so banged up. Jamal Williams, uh, DeAndre Swift, they're all on the practice report weekly. Just to, to backtrack for a second, like a Raymond or an Amon St. Brown, any of those guys interesting if, uh, you know, on the comeback against, against the Rams, assuming they're going to have to chuck the ball. I mean, interesting is a relative term. You know what I mean though? They're cheap and like, you know, cross your fingers, throw a dart, that kind of thing. Considering considering we just saw uh, season highs from DeAndre Swift and snap 78% routes run on golf's dropbacks. Um, also, his 76% share of backfield touches was a season high as well. Like, I think that's kind of that's kind of the run back in any game script since he'll be out there in negative game script. Also, under wide receivers, I forgot to mention Sterling Shepard, by the way. Rich, your favorite tight end in that uh, Atlanta-Miami game? Do you have a preference? Yeah, Kyle Pitts. He's the, he's better at football than Mike Gusecki. But uh, I mean, I guess my, I'm fine with Gusecki too. I, I like his role a lot. Uh, you know, we've seen him. You know, he's what sixth among all tight ends in, in targets. I get him wrong though. Like whenever I'm on Gusecki, I get him wrong. I was on him two weeks ago in Tampa, and I didn't get anything. Uh, yeah, we, I feel like any any time I go to him, he lets me down. Uh, but you know, hey, uh, if, you, if you're looking at their, uh, Atlanta is 31st in touchdown rate uh, allowed to opposing tight ends. Uh, so you get the, the one guy outside of Devontae Parker, he's active. It's a clasher uh, among those wide receivers in Miami. Is there still value in that Ricky Seals Jones price on DK? It's steadily moving up. I believe it's 3 7 now. Uh, he's on still... the field. He doesn't come off the field. So why not? Come, yeah. That's, that's still too cheap, right? If you just want to yeah. punt it. He doesn't come off the field. Yeah. And he's the primary end, end zone guy. So, like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I have no problem if people go back. It's the one position that didn't get. The one position that didn't get decimated this week was tight end. I and mean, we lost Schultz, who a lot of people have been going to, but Knox probably wasn't going to play anyways because he broke his hand. But that's really it. Like all, all the other tight ends that are off the off the board were guys we never really cared about. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, you, know, you know, that's really the cheap way. I also think Tyler Higby's going to kind of sneak through by the end of the week. And um, they just moved their backup tight end, Johnny Munt's season-ending injury reserve. And we saw this past week Higby did play 100% of the team snaps and ran around on all but two of Stafford's dropbacks. So I actually think he'll get lost in the shuffle despite having a 30-plus team total for the Rams. So that's another way to get sneaky exposure if you want to go like Henderson and Higby rather than Cooper Cup. And then we have a Cordell Patterson take. I saw his price was pretty egregious, but you know he keeps finding a way to. I mean, you Fanduel Fanduel is not playing with Cordell yeah. Patterson. <laughs> you said you like you said you like it when they jam up the prices. For you I do, man. Yours. Yeah, because listen, for some reason, two weeks ago he ended up being really chalky on Fanduel, and it, it was like he was like six three or six four, which was I didn't get I, it. Which and, and he got there, but like so, yeah, make him make it. People want to keep playing him, make him make it. Like yeah, dude, I have no problem with it. He's definitely he has not performed on eight, even even as hot as he's run he has not performed on 8k levels but hey dude go nuts man make people pay for it 
Is there anything, uh, it's Wednesday night, is there anything we should keep an eye on, uh, that, you know, anything as far as injury-wise that might open things up or it's just... Uh, Danny Gibson. Yeah. Uh, what else do we got? This is more your wheelhouse, Dale. You always do the look-ahead injury tweet. Yeah, I'm looking through my injuries right now. Um, well, the <laughs> issue is there, it's also just a lot of bad players. Like T.Y. Hilton. Oh, no, that, that game is not on the main slate. Okay, so we have McKissick. We have um, Kadarius Tony, which would also not only why I like Sterling Shepard since he has a 22% target share in every game, but also for mm-hmm. some reason without Kadarius Tony and Darius Slayton, they played Dante Pettis in the slot. They had to. They had no choice. <laughs> so if Dante Pettis sneaks under, like that dude somehow saw 12 targets as in the second most routes run behind Sterling Shepard. Like he's more than viable if you want to sneak him in there in a run back on DK in particular, since that's where you're going to get your receptions at. Um, is Zach Arts available this game? He is. Okay. You got Zach Arts there. Uh, Diami Brown was back to his usual routine and second most routes on the team without Curtis Samuel and Cam Sims in that game. So that's one. Um, yeah. And then Quintus Cephas is still on, he broke his arm. I think he's out for the year. And so that would lead to the Khalif Raymond play. If you want to get there, I still think it's more, um, DeAndre Swift though. Dago, the last thing before you step aside and get out of here, the chat wants to know, and this is a callback to a previous conversation as far as Evan Silva. Uh, what, what were what were his uh, his cookies of choice? Did he go like all chocolate chip, like you know all in? Did he get a variety pack, like a little bit of the M and M chocolate chips and peanut butter? Does he have a preference as far as cookies? It was a variety. He got the the little elf um, chocolate covered like wafers almost. That was one of them, just like double chocolate covered wafers. <laughs> he got a bag of chocolate gluten free pretzels. Don't understand that order at all. And then he got a, a roll of Chips Ahoy chocolate chunk and also a roll of Chips Ahoy soft and chewy, which is my personal favorite. Especially if you sneak them in the microwave for like 15 seconds, they're incredible. Yeah, I'm a soft bake, soft bake guy all the way. Yeah. But what power rank rebar, the number one flavor for a cookie, what is it? Uh, I am a, uh, I mean, yeah, I think just the, the, the perfect chocolate chip is, is money, dude. Yeah. Like you can't, you just can't go wrong there. It's a classic. You know who has really good uh, chocolate chip cookies, man? A Sam's Club. Really? Like bakery, know that. Sam's Club Bakery. They make these big, soft, like soft baked chocolate chip cookies, man. They, they're, they're actually- Do you have to buy like 30 of them? You got to buy them in bulk or they can just they're buy like, one? No, they come in like a pack like 15, like uh, sleeves of five, like three sleeves that's, of five. That's one sitting. That's good. Well, my, my kid, Daigle's, Daigle's been at my house. My kid's like, I had like, I, my, my 16 year old eat like six of them and be like, oh, cool. Well, like, thank like, dude, we just brought these home. You just ate six giant cookies. Also, Dean, you have to understand like the Reeves family, uh, outside of rich, like none of them experience food or not adventurous whatsoever. They will literally like only eat a piece of chicken, maybe with Buffalo sauce, maybe, and a burger with nothing on it. That is literally what they eat. They don't adventure beyond that. Hey, whatever works, man. <laughs> well, they're young. Hey, it works out for me because I always get to pick the restaurant. So it's whatever <laughs> I want to eat. Yeah, and it's Skyline Chili. That's what we never. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff you get when you listen to us live. You get to ask such questions like, what cookies does Evan Silva eat? I also, although the perfect chocolate chip perfect is a really question. good answer, I this is an egregious answer. I really like the the ones that are extremely unhealthy well they're all unhealthy for you but those ones that are like just dough and sugar that you get around the holidays it just has a, like yeah. a, a flop piece of hard icing on top and the rest is just like sugar cookie you can fold i like those a lot yeah i'm a i'm a sucker for the, the sugar cookie or the snickerdoodle like those are all those are all money too 
Let us know in the comment section, the most overrated, most <laughs> underrated, your power rankings. Let us know in the comment section on the old YouTube. Uh, do like, do subscribe, turn on notifications. We do appreciate everybody that listens to us live. Again, most of us listens to us on the RG podcast, podcast feed. Uh, you know, you guys should like and follow that as well too, if you're not doing that or watching us on YouTube on a Thursday afternoon or something like that. Uh, I always say this, everybody knows who you guys are. It's week seven. They all know, but just in case somebody kind of wandered into this podcast for the first time, Rich, tell them where they can find your content. Uh, yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com, uh, at Lord Reeves on Twitter, a face for podcasts apparently. Uh, and you know, you can always find me Wednesday at nine Eastern with Daigle and Dean. This very show, uh, Daigle? You know six teams are on by whenever we're power ranking cookies. <laughs> not Jay Daigle on Twitter, uh, a good football show on iTunes and Spotify where we do team previews, weekly previews, um, NBC Sports Edge, waiver wire column on Tuesdays if you're into that thing. It went rock Ray. movies last week, so, yeah. Well, there were some we, people commenting in the chat. I meant to bring that up, but unfortunately we ran out of time. We got to step aside. <laughs> someone mentioned uh, Walking Tall last week in the comments as well. Walking Tall is good. Still yeah. Good. We brought some of the other guys, and the other guys isn't a rock. He's in, like, one That's scene. That's not a rock movie. It's a good scene. It's a funny scene. I'll give it to him, but, like, because every is weak. The rock's in this. Oh, wait, now he's not in this. Never mind. Spoiler. My, my apologies. He's in it for a brief period with Samuel Jackson. All right. That was Rich Rebar. That was John Daigle. That was uh, producer Devin behind the proverbial glass. That was the NFL Pick 6 show for week seven. Good luck this week. Thanks a lot for watching. We're out of here. Oh.